All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. It's a huge, huge game tomorrow night for Texas Tech against TCU in a season that has gone anything but smoothly for the Red Raiders. They take on TCU really needing a win to keep their bowl hopes alive with can with a trip to Lawrence coming up next. Baron Morton is back at starting quarterback for Texas Tech, and there is some hope of catching TCU while they're struggling. In addition to that, Texas Tech basketball, as tough as this season has been for football, it has been less disappointing than last year's basketball season was. And quite frankly, we got some good signs in this form of a charity exhibition scrimmage that could not be televised, could not be broadcast on radio. But Texas Tech beat the number 15 team in the nation, Texas A&M Aggies, 89-84. to We'll talk about both those, preview this TCU game, and talk about some good signs for the basketball season. So coming into this game against TCU, it has been a mess of the last couple weeks for Texas Tech. And really, the story has been just the offense has been brutal. The offense has been brutal for Texas Tech this entire season. For the most part, obviously we had a good game against Houston and Baylor, but other than that, the offense just hasn't clicked. We couldn't really expect it to click that well against BYU, and for the most part, I didn't have too many issues with the play calling from Zach Kitley in the game. I thought that it was weird that we're running the ball with Jake Strong when our backup quarterback is Brady Boyd. Um, That didn't make much sense to me at all, but... I think that getting Baron Morton back, this is a huge game for Zach Kittley. I don't know how healthy Baron Morton's going to be. He should be healthier than he was going into the K-State game and the Baylor game. He's got it, He was back at practice pretty much right after the game. I think it was like the next Tuesday he was back at practice. It was his first really full week throwing in practice since the West Virginia game. So there are good signs. There are are reasons to believe that this offense can step up and you're going up against the TCU team who quite frankly just has not been very good and it's kind of weird just looking at the stat sheet Will Howard only had 154 yards against them Avery Johnson only had 90 yards passing against them obviously Avery Johnson did his thing on the ground and got 73 they had a couple running backs between Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens both get over 80 yards against TCU so they were able to beat them by running back by committee. The, and they put up 41 points with that. They had 244 yards passing and put up 41 points on this TCU defense, which quite frankly is not that great of a defense. I know that they held BYU to 11. We gave up 27 to BYU. 14 of those points were off of our offense's mistakes. And then for the er, Seven of them were off our offensive mistakes, maybe even more than that with their field goals uh, or being off of turnovers. But there is a way to get after this TCU team. Josh Hoover should be their starter. He looked really good against BYU. He went for 439 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And BYU doesn't have a bad defense. They just don't have an offense, which you saw in Austin this past week. It was a shame that we couldn't exploit that. But this last game in Manhattan, he went 23 of 43, only 187 yards on 43 attempts. 
he was averaging just about four yards a pass attempt, which is not good. No touchdowns and a pick. So this is a guy who, going up against a good defense, which Kansas State clearly is, struggled. Struggled mightily, especially in a road environment. He was helped out a bit rushing-wise. I mean, their big back is Imani Bailey, who's somebody that we're going to need to contain in this game. Uh, On the season, he's rushing for 5.8 yards a carry. He only has two touchdowns on the year. Normally, when they get to the goal line, they give it to Trey Sanders. But this is a real opportunity for Texas Tech to bounce back in this one. Will we be able to air the ball out and at least get 250 yards through the passing game? This is one you should. And your wide receivers are going to need to step up. Obviously, on the outside, you've had Jerram Bradley, who... Well, look, the guy has been number one on SportsCenter's top 10 plays this year, but he hasn't been a consistent threat to go and get the ball. He hasn't been able to... You can't rely on him right now to go up and win a one-on-one battle. Koi Eakin, I still don't think, is that type of receiver that can go out jump a guy to win a one-on-one battle. Jerram Bradley has all the intangibles, and we're going to need to see it massively in this game to help out Bear Morton, who is still coming off of an injury. I think Koi Eakin, he's a really good piece on the outside, but also your inside receivers are going to need to step up in a big way. Miles Price is going to need to do what he does while getting yards after the catch. He's been good at that so far. He needs to do better at it coming into this week. Xavier White's the same way. He's one of your most reliable guys at catching balls. Can he do that and also get those yards after the catch? Can we get the ball in those two guys' hands and let them make plays against a really, really porous TCU defense? And can our defense get some pressure off the edges? Because that has been a problem for this team just about all year is getting pressure off the edges. I think your interior defense is pretty good. I think Jacob Rodriguez should be back in this game. Having him and Ben Roberts in the in there at the inside linebacker positions, although Jacob Rodriguez is probably only going to see about 30 snaps in this game, I think that could be a big boost for this defense. Tyler Owens is switching positions, moving to the star position away from his safety position, which, got to say, Tyler Owens has been one of the more disappointing players this year. You saw him in the bowl game and thought that he had all Big 12 potential and he just hasn't quite shown it yet. Will this switch defensively help him out? That's going to be a big question. Will he be able to make the star position his and let the safeties play like they play like they should? Because he has been the weak point in the secondary. I don't think that quite your corners have been great, but Braylon Lux... He's been pretty good. Most of the secondary has been good. Tyler Owens really has been the weak point of that. And you're moving him up. You're letting him get after the quarterback a little bit. Will he be able to create pressure? And and when he drops back in coverage, maybe if you're reducing the load that you're putting on him, that should give Tex Tech some opportunities. But I know I talked a lot about the receivers. Or on offense. Mason Tharp is still out. We don't we don't know what's going on with him. It could be a concussion thing. Hopefully he's back. Hopefully he's back at some point in his career even. But the rushing game is going to be big. Obviously, Taj Brooks got held to under four yards of carry last week against BYU. This TCU team has struggled a bit against the run. 
They allowed Treshawn Ward to go for 89 yards on 17 carries and DJ Giddens to go for 85 yards on 9 carries. Another thing that stood out at me, DJ Giddens, he only got two receptions, but one of them was for 61 yards. The other was for 14. Treshawn Ward got three receptions for 17 yards. How are we going to utilize Taj Brooks out of the backfield? Because this is a play, or this is a game, where there is really good opportunity to get Taj Brooks the ball through the passing game. He has 14 receptions on the year. He's getting 5.1 a touch. But I think that this is one that you can really break it open. And another guy that's going to be crucial for me, because this is in both the run game and the pass game, is going to be Cameron Valdez tomorrow night. This is a defense that has been porous. They've allowed a lot on the run this year. Cameron Valdez only has three receptions for 27 yards. Cameron Valdez is also a guy that doesn't quite break tackles. He needs a hole, but once he gets a hole, he's explosive. Can we make this guy have a breakout game in the passing game? Can we get him two, three receptions out of the backfield? I would love to see that. I know he's only had three receptions through eight games out of the backfield, but if we can get this guy three receptions against this porous TCU defense, you could be looking at about 50 yards off of that. And you could be looking at if Taj Brooks can wear them down, he can get some holes and really break open this defense. How will Zach Hitley mix and match Taj Brooks and, and not Nehemiah Martinez, Cameron Valdez throughout this game? And another guy that could be important out of the backfield is Nehemiah Martinez. I mean, this is a guy that was a slot receiver last year. Now you're playing a team that likes to give up, that gives up a lot of receiving yards to running backs. This is a game that Nehemiah Martinez could shine in. He only has one reception on the year. It was for 31 yards. Can we get him a few more? Can we get our running backs the balls out of the backfield? Because we have our quarterback back. Can he make the long throws? Quite possibly he still can't. There's a good chance he still can't make the deep ball throws that we'd love to be throwing to Jerram Bradley out there or even Dre McRae. But if you can get him some throws to guys in the backfield against a defense that is good at giving that up, I think there's some real opportunity for Tech in this game. And Tech is two and a half point favorites for a reason. Season has not gone anywhere near how you want it. Even the most conservative expectations did not have this at a three and five football team. But this game, you can go to three and zero against Big Twelve Texas teams. You can go four and zero if you count the Tarleton game against Texas teams as a whole. This one would be a big one just to keep pride, just to keep bragging rights, even with the season not going anywhere near where anybody wanted it to. This is a game with some real opportunity for Texas Tech in this one. And quite frankly, this is a game you should win. Your defense is going up against a backup quarterback that's very inexperienced, that's coming off of a bad game, his first game, his first start on the road, and then you're going to be going up, your quarterback is back, your defense has looked good this year. I know it didn't show it against Kansas State, and the final score against BYU didn't really show it. But a lot of that was two explosive plays and an offensive mistake that screwed you. And quite frankly, who's the playmakers that are going to make plays on TCU? You can go down the list of TCU's players. Imani Bailey, he's obviously a guy you need to contain. Trey Sanders, he's going to be big by the goal line. 
But really, nobody else in the receiving game, JR, J.P. Richardson, he has 420 yards on the year. Nobody else has over 300. There's a lot of reason to be excited about this game, and this is one that can write your season. I know this season has been horrible so far, but if you can get a win here, you go to Lawrence, you're 4-5, and five, and you have a chance to get back to 500. This is a massive game. It's a game at home, Thursday night. It's going to be televised on ESPN. This is a real chance for Texas Tech to save some semblance of their season. And so far, you're facing a backup quarterback. You got your quarterback back. Everything has lined up exactly the way Texas Tech has needed this game to from the last 12 days. But moving on to some more exciting news from basketball. Oh, one note on football. Um, Rusty Stats is no longer the center, and quite frankly, that is good. He's still probably one of your best pass blockers, but he's moving over to left guard or right guard to guard position. Um, He has, apparently he has an injured shoulder, which is honestly, you don't hope for injuries, but it makes a lot of sense because I... This is a guy that was first-team all-conference USA center, and he has not been able to snap the ball to save his life. I, 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 can't, I can't understand it. But thankfully, he'll still be in the lineup. Cole Spencer, he may be done for the year. But you have a guy at center that played well at center for you last season, and now you're moving him over to positions. That should help this team out because Jake Strong, which, by the way, not trying to blame him. He he wasn't a guy that was supposed to play at all this year, but he really was not helped out by by a bunch of low snaps. Like Will Burns would have been better back there because he's just short stopping can field ground balls. But this time for real on the basketball front, Texas Tech. So this was a game that wasn't televised, wasn't able to be broadcast on radio. Uh, so the first 38 minutes of the game. I was basically just hoping to get score updates until somebody FaceTimed our group group chat for the last two games, and we were able to see the end. But there was a lot of good out of this game for Texas Tech. And one nice thing about this, one really nice thing about this, is normally you get these teams that aren't that good in in your early games, and you normally have to wait until your late November tournament, the Maui Invitational, the battle for Atlantis this year, to really see how your rotation's going to look. That was not the case in this one. You were playing a top 15 team, and just going off the box score, you can see a bit of how this rotation's going to look. Obviously, Warren Washington, uh, based off what I heard, he's not a guy that, he's not Tyreek Owens, but he is a legit rim protector. He was good rebounding, got seven boards in 21 minutes, 22 minutes of play. He wasn't a guy that took many shots. He only took one shot the whole game, but he also got a couple blocks. He fouled out after about 21 and a half minutes of play, which the word was the refs were calling it tight, and that's going to change a bit in Big 12 play. The Big 12 refs allow for a little bit more physicality than the than whoever the heck was refing this game. But Pop Isaacs, the star of this one, he was also in foul trouble. He had four fouls for most of the game, really. He had 30 points in 23 minutes, 9 of 13 from the field, 6 of 10 from 3, 6 of 9 from the free throw stripe. I mean, you could not ask for much better development out of Pop Isaacs. Joe Toussaint, the guy that we got very late 
out of West Virginia. 36 minutes. He didn't shoot the ball well. He went two for eight in this game. But after the game, they were saying that the locker room gelled as soon as he came in. And Joe Toussaint, when I heard what he was being paid or heard about what he was being paid, seemed like an overpay, quite frankly. But, man, if this guy's going to eat up 36 minutes when Pop Isaacs is in foul trouble and this is a guy that's making the locker room gel, is feisty on defense like he was, has experience, doesn't need to play the one all the time, can let Pop Isaacs take some time at the one, Man, what an ad. And Devin Cambridge, the other guy who came with Warren Washington from Arizona State, he had a good game as well. He was 5 of 8 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. He had a total of 14 points on the game. Really good from him. Darian Williams, the kid out of Nevada, which this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about with Jalen Tyson here in a minute. He is kind of a like-for-like replacement of Jalen Tyson. He's long. He's athletic. Um, he needs to catch up to the pace of the Big 12 game. I think that the non-conference for Darian Williams is going to be more important than anybody else on this team because he needs to catch up to the pace of Power 5 opponents. He, he's going to get Vanderbilt. He's going to get Villanova and probably a couple more Power 5 opponents in the battle for Atlanta's tournament. He only got about 18 minutes in this one. He got six points. But he had a nice assist. He was good defensively. He's long. He's a guy that can create for you. I think that, and he was in the starting lineup. He was the other one in the starting lineup. I think that it's going to be really important against Vanderbilt, against Oral Roberts, against the teams that you're going to see in the battle for Atlantis, for him to show up and have a good game and just develop through these first couple months. He's not going to be a finished product for a while. He is kind of, I don't want to say a project. He was the freshman player of the year in the Mountain West, but he's the one that out of the starting lineup is coming with the least power five experience. Everybody else in this lineup came from a power five school and he's going to be the one that takes the longest time to really gel. A couple of other notes from this one, some players who didn't see much time, Robert Jennings got seven minutes, which is a bit surprising to me considering our lack of depth in the bigs position, in the forwards position. Um, Kerwin, but we'll see. I was glad that he got at least seven minutes. We'll see if he can bump it up and be a 10 minutes per game player. Kerwin Walton got about nine minutes in this game, hit one of his two threes. Uh, His weak points was defense last year. We'll see if that changes in the Grant McCaslin system. Yemily Yalahu, who quite frankly, I... Until this game happened, I forgot he was on the team. I forgot we went out and get him. But it is more depth in the big position. He only had five minutes. Didn't take a shot in this one. Uh, But a couple of key guys off the bench. Chance McMillan out of Grand Canyon University. That guy can shoot the ball. He took 12 threes in this game. Went 4 of 12 from 3. Went 1 for 1 from the 2. And went 3 for 4 from the line. He had 17 points. He got over 23 minutes in this game. Lamar Washington, also another guard that can get some time. And was playing late in this game, really. He was on the floor, I believe, the entire last two minutes against AM, Even coming off the bench. He could be a sixth man that isn't in the starting lineup, but is in your finishing lineup. 24 minutes, 5 of 6 from the field, 0 for 1 for 3. He airballed that one, but 3 for 3 from the free throw stripe, but still a pretty efficient day for him. His problem last year really was shooting. He's good at 
what we did against Iowa State in that comeback last year is we basically gave it to him at the top or at the circle and let him drive down, drive down with it and created a lot of space. He could be a guy that does a lot of that same thing. He's a pretty decent defender. Can his shot develop as the season progresses? But man, from what I heard in the game, you and videos I saw, Grant McCaslin was up and engaged and coaching the entire game coaching hard the entire game and it seemed like the players respected him he would get on to the players and they would immediately give him a high five or fist bump right after it after he was getting in their face it seems like this is going to be a lot smoother team than it was last year and quite frankly a lot less frustrating team to watch because last season was probably one of the most frustrating seasons i've i've ever seen i mean chris beard's first year was disappointing but they were close uh, you kind of knew that there was going to be a talent gap. And then that COVID year, it, it was disappointing, but you knew there was young guys. Last year, I don't know what the heck happened last year. But, man, and the concern about Grant McCasson from a lot of fans coming into this one was that, well, he's a defensive coach. We're going to see us win games 58-54. to 54. This game against the number 15 team in the nation was 89-84. to 84, And he said in the post game or to the team in the locker room was basically saying we didn't we didn't execute how we wanted to and there were obviously some holes on defense with this team to give up 84 points but now he has over a week to work on it before the game starts and he said you know what they kept fighting till the end and quite frankly that's all you need a this team is going to be a ton of fun to watch this season a ton of fun to watch i I am really excited to watch this team get underway. November 8th, we are only seven days away from the first basketball game of the year. Um, boy, it's we're still 0-0 zero because zero this game doesn't count for anything. But, man, taking on the number 15 team in the nation with a new head coach with an almost completely new roster. I mean, only one of your five starters was in this team last season. And to see the way that they gelled and was able to take down an experienced number 15 team in the nation that went to the tournament last year and is very experienced and knows each other a lot better than we do, man, oh, what a start to the season for Texas Tech. What a start to the, and I know it's not the season, but what a start to the year or the Grant McCaslin era. But some other basketball notes. So Jalen Tyson, y'all remember him. He was denied his waiver, so he won't be able to play for Cal this year. He went to Cal with Fardaz Amac and Chris Wash, who he works for Level 13. Uh, Jalen's obviously one of his clients. Um, how do I put this nicely? Chris Wash is not a smart person. Um, I, I think that's just a fact. Um, Maybe, maybe it's not a fact. I don't think he's that smart. But basically, in Sports Illustrated, Jalen Tyson was talking about how mentally he couldn't get go back to Texas Tech. That's where he was called a slave. Chris Walsh comes out, and this is stuff that I think was pretty well known, and says that Grant McCaslin forced Jalen Tyson out. And now, the only thing I want, the only thing I want, and this guy says enough stupid stuff that he may actually say this. Why was he forced out? He's a good, young, promising player. Why was he forced out? Why? Why would we do that? 
Why would we force out a good, young, promising player? That's my question. That's my question. You probably won't answer it, but maybe he slips up and does. And then Fardal's AMAC is out there talking about the trauma they went through. And I'm sorry. I, those two guys, and less so for Jalen Tyson. I, I understand it. He Look, he was forced out by McCasland. Um, I understand it. I, I understand why he wants to go somewhere else. It's also your third school in three years, so at some point you got to take a look in the mirror there. But Fardos, this guy, I mean, said that he, he likes to play up this story that uh, I came back even though I wasn't clear for my team. Dude, you cashed some very big checks, tried to transfer midseason, and we all know Allegedly, allegedly, you didn't uh, quite get injured playing basketball. That's just just throwing that out there. Allegedly, maybe that happened, that he was cashing checks, not playing for an injury. That maybe, maybe didn't happen on the basketball court. Who knows? But that's going to do it for this one. Um, huge game against TCU coming up. Really good opportunity for Tex Tech. Baron Morden's back. Taj Brooks is healthy. Cameron Valdez is healthy. Obviously, your offensive line is going to have some issues like we know all season, which is quite frustrating. But hopefully these changes, getting um, rusty stats away from center can help this team out. This is a game that you really need. You really need this one for your prize, for, for your pride, for bowl eligibility. Everything comes down to this game. And quite frankly, Basketball season's a week away, and this team is looking really good so far. Already off to a hot start, even before the season starts. And a lot of reason to be excited about this basketball team. That's going to do it for this one. If y'all will, go ahead and give us a rating and review. It really helps us out, uh, especially coming towards basketball season, which could be quite exciting and (laughs) quite more joyous than this past football season has been but that's going to do it for this one um can't wait to be back we'll do we'll do a reaction thursday night slash friday morning to the tcu game and that one will be up by friday afternoon and then we'll start looking ahead to lawrence and kansas see ya